I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm here with Sarah Duran. And I'm actually very excited to have her here because she's not dressed up to the nines. And like, <laughs> and I didn't tell you, Sarah, is that I just got out of, we have this, it's really weird. It's not a food truck. It's a workout truck. We have this guy come in a truck and he has this cold like barrel that's a cold plunge. And then on the back, uh, it's basically like rungs, ladder rungs, and you do this whole workout, but it's pretty quick. So you like get in the cold plunge, you do like a, it's supposed to be like a six minute workout, but like, you know, sometimes with rest, it might take a little bit longer and then you could do extra stuff and then you get back in the cold plunge. Anyway, I did that about, I don't know, 45, maybe an hour ago. And then I got on the call. And so I'm in my, my, uh, you know, quick got out of the cold plunge gear. And I was just happy that you weren't all dressed up. So, um, that's, that's my first excitement for that. And then secondly, um, because you seem cool and you have lots of tattoos and I've never had a tattoo. So I feel a little bit less cool than you, but other than that, pretty good. So she is a solopreneur coach. She helps freelancers and coaches really build business, um, to a place where it's, so they can live the life they want, right? Um, I always say ideal business, ideal life. So I think we're aligned there. Um, and she's been in business for over a decade for a project. Her, her, her company is a project management company. And she does a lot, again, with now helping the solopreneurs. And I'm sure many of you who are listening here might not have a big team, or if you have any team, maybe it's just an assistant and probably are in that category. So um, tell us a little bit how you got into that and, and why that's so important to you. And we'll start with that. Sure. So um, I had what I now think back on as my like first midlife crisis where I had like, you don't even look like you're midlife yet. So (laughs) you look like you're like not even 30. You're probably not 30, right? Oh, God bless you. I'm 38. Oh, wow. Don't let the zoom filter fool you. Oh, the zoom filter. Like, do I have the zoom filter on? Because that's what my CEO was saying this morning. She's like, I look way worse than zoom is telling you. And I was like, well, you look good to me. And I'm like, man, do I have, she's like, I have all the filters on. I'm like, how many are there? Cause I need more. Cause I, and I just put on, I was thinking though, actually, as I was going to the bathroom to like put on a little bit of makeup, I was thinking, why doesn't zoom have like the Snapchat type filters where I could just be wearing makeup? It does. It does. I do not have that filter on, but I have been on calls with people that have that where it's like lipstick. I don't know how far it goes, but I know there's like, I just need some eye makeup really. Yeah. It does get a little bit weird when you move your face and you're like, your lipstick doesn't move. Oh yeah. See, that's the problem with the background thing too. Like, I'm like, oh yeah. It's like, it reminds me of um, back to the future. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're 38. You're not yep. as young. So, you know, when he starts to lose his hand, like that's what just reminds me when everybody is like, they pick up their water bottle and it's like yep. a disappearing hand. Okay. Yep. This yeah, is the Zoom fun. filter is for real. Sometimes I'll get on a call and like Google chat or like WebEx or something. And I'm like, oh no. 
Oh I yeah. So tired. <laughs> oh, I know. And then even like, I think for those sort of, I don't know, meetings, whatever they're called, but like, they don't even let me use my good camera. Mm-hmm. So not only are you not having a filter, but then you also don't have a good camera. We will talk about business eventually, yes. but first zoom filters are much more important. This it's, is the good stuff. It's for real. It's for real. Um, but I appreciate that. Um, zoom maybe those filter. tattoos are just a filter. They're not really real. It's just like <laughs> yeah. the zoom filter, the tattoo. That zoom. would be, That'd be cool. That would be um, really cool. We have a lot of inventions to make right here. Yes. Um, sorry. Now I totally, Oh, how did I get here? Okay. So I had sure. my first, I don't know if it's even a midlife crisis. Yes. I was just like, I got my dream job and about six months in, I was like, I, this isn't making me happy. Why isn't this making me happy? This is supposed to be my dream job. Um, I quit and I wasn't planning to be a freelancer, solopreneur, consultant, you know, whatever the terms are that I think folks associate um, with people who end up being independent contractors, basically. Um, And then the universe sort of decided that that was what I was supposed to do. I picked up some contract work to make ends meet. And while I was trying to figure out what my next contract work doing what though, like consulting. Yeah. So, well, project management, um, and like project strategy. So what was your dream job project management? Well, so the, my background is in K-12 education actually. And I mostly worked in the nonprofit sector. And so I got this job running like a program for a nonprofit and it had, I was making a lot more money and had a lot more autonomy. I was working from home. Like it had just like checked all the boxes that I Mm. thought needed to be checked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized that uh, once I checked all those boxes, it still didn't actually, I wasn't, still wasn't like totally happy. Um, So the contract work um, turned out to be pretty lucrative. And within a year, I'd started my own company um, and started to realize this like incredible amount of freedom that working for yourself gives you. Um, And not just freedom, but sort of like control over how you spend your life, Um, control and flexibility over how you spend your time, the things you get to do with your family, the things you get to do for yourself. And also the type of work and people you get to do, not do, work with. Well, that might be also an added benefit. Fair. (laughs) Totally fair. Depends on your situation. Um, But anyways, I was just like, why did I never, like, why did I never even think this was an option? Um, Mm -hmm. And so about three or four years ago, I was like, um, I need to help other people like do this. Like I have to help other people achieve the same level of freedom. Cause even once you start like working for yourself, it's not like you just start working for yourself and then you're like, Oh, this is amazing. Right. Like it takes so much work. freedom. Well, right. you know, the joke is like when you're an entrepreneur, you get to work whatever 100 hours a week you want. That is That's right. the big joke. Right. Yeah. When I, well, when I first started as a financial advisor, it was like, First, it was super hardcore just to pass the exams. And like, I was just studying, studying, studying all night, you know, studying late and just trying to pass the exams. And then you start working and you got to work with anybody and everybody and your list of 100, like friends and family and all this stuff. And then I remember just working like 80 hour weeks going like, what the heck? Like, I thought this was going to be freedom, baby. And it was so hard. There was not much freedom at the beginning, but it, it happened eventually. So what is it, some of the core things that you teach people so that they can have that? Because I think part of it is like 
I, I think a lot of people listening here aren't necessarily like trying to leave their corporate. You know, sure. I think most of them are already kind of growing their business since the name of the podcast is Grow Your Financial Business, the woman's way. But I'm just speculating because how do I know? But um, but once they get there, I do think there's probably a lot of listeners who are just starting and they're trying to, you know, make it work. And it doesn't feel like freedom and it does feel really hard. And it feels like you're like, you know, trudging uphill. So what are some of the things, especially when they're new, that they can start doing that will help them get that, get to that freedom and get to that, you know, high quality of life that they're after uh, mm-hmm. faster? Sure. So I think what I learned retroactively about my own business and then have just this has been reinforced for me over and over again, every time I work with another, um, any type of solopreneur, consultant, independent type of worker is that um, getting super clear on the front end about what you need to get out of your work is really important. And a lot of us, me included, don't do that because you just, you it's just nose to the grindstone, right? You're just like, you have a definition of success and you're just going to do whatever you have to do to get there. Um, And so I always have people focus on three things in the beginning, which sound very simple, but um, are much harder when you really get down into them. So my pen out. Here we go. Life changing Um, stuff right now. So who are you? Uh, Why do you do what you do? And what do you want out of your work? So who are you? Why do you do it? And what do you want? And I think a lot of people, um, again, myself included, 100%, get into a place where you just are um, going through the motions to a certain extent. And you get to a place like I did um, with that quote unquote dream job where I was like, oh, I thought this was what I wanted. Mm. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, maybe this is one. This is definitely not what I wanted. Um And so doing some really intentional work up front to think about like, what do you actually want to get out of your work? How do you build a business around what you want your life to look like um, instead of building your life around what you want your business to look like um, is, is the, I think the key. And then from there, there's all the, like, I mean, the, that's like the bottom of the pyramid, the pyramid stacks from there up, you know, for like what you would call think about as quote unquote, traditional types of like business coaching. How do you find the right clients? How do you design your Mm -hmm. offerings? How do you um, structure those types of engagements? So that again, going back down to the foundation, it's always connecting back to like, how, what do I want to get out of this? Um, And how am I structuring my business to meet those needs? Okay. So let's, let's unpack that because you're like, it's really simple. It's going to sound simple, but like, who are you? It's like, oh, existential crisis. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. Like, right. I feel like it's really hard for people to answer. And um, I, my daughter, she's 16, but she started doing these YouTube videos and she had like this kind of like existential crisis. Like it was like that whole thing, but it was like, who am I? You know? And I feel like that's, that's the like typical thing that we see in the movies or whatever. Who am I? But how do you answer that? Like, do you have an exercise that's like, like, I know I've done this exercise. Um, I don't know if you know Lisa Nichols. She's a really very successful motivational speaker, but she um, she had us do this exercise at this mastermind that I'm in. It's like, you know, 
you go to somebody and you start with like all these people, like these, well, this is all women, but you're in this group and you basically get there. You don't know anyone, let's say, and some of them do, but I didn't. And you start with like, I am someone who dot, dot, dot. So she has these like prompts, you know? And so you're just like going to talk to people. And she even had this, like, had this woman on the podcast with Alison Walsh, I'll, I'll find the number, but, um, and we were partnered and it was like, we're looking, so you had to stare at each other's eyes. And like, it was questions like that. Like I am someone who, and, my deepest fears are. And like, it was like crazy, like, hi, nice to meet you. It's not like, where do you live? Where are you from? What do you want to do? You know, what do you do? It was like, you know, I'm someone who uh, gets really pissed off when, you know, it's like crazy. So how do you, how do you come up with that? Um, like, is there a format to it or is it just like, they're supposed to figure it out? Oh, and by the way, I just looked it up. Um, episode 117 from April 12th with Allison Walsh, who's amazing. Not only did we glare into each other's eyes, she also is incredible at building your brand, which you need to do. And I'm sure Sarah would agree with that. Okay. But going back to the question, how do you figure out who you are? Yeah. So um, yeah, it sounds like a simple question, right? But almost every single person I've ever done this work with, they're like, uh, so I always, I have like a series of questions that I like go through with people about like what you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And then there's like sub questions under that to dig a little bit deeper, right? If you have some sort of like personality or like strengths assessment, like an Enneagram or something like that, those kinds of tools can be really helpful for answering questions like this. Um, And then I think like also getting it, like thinking about um, well, a sentence stems like that. Um, I love using sentence stems where you have to just like fill in the blank because mm-hmm. it really forces you to think about how are you ending that sentence? You're not just like the, the, you know, the softball questions, where are you from? What, you know, what do right. you do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but really it is that those, it, again, it sounds simple, but it really is like, what are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you love? Um, some of the other questions I ask are like, what work do you do that doesn't feel like work? So like when you're mm-hmm. in the zone and you're like, look, you I could up- answer all of those questions. See, yeah. so you could, you could totally, um, I mean, I know who I am. What are you saying? I know who I am. Yeah. No existential crisis here. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> that was sarcasm. No, I do feel like I have a lot of clarity about like what's important to me and like what I like to do and, and what I'm really good at, what I'm really bad at, you know, um, what I'm really, really bad at things like that. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's hard for people to figure that out. Okay. So one is who are you? Um, It is interesting when you do a STEM though, because it's like, I'm someone who you have to find something and it's just, it's almost like your unconscious mind starts to take over because it has to be pretty quick. And it's interesting that the first thing I said is I'm someone who gets pissed off about whatever and not really finish a sentence, but that, that I might have to do some therapy on that one because that was the first thing that came out of my mind. <laughs> That's an important one though. Like I've always like, at, one of the other questions I ask people is like, what aggravates you? Like what mm-hmm. really pisses you off? Because you'd, you'd be surprised or maybe not, um, about how many people end up building businesses and business models and then they're and that don't actually cater to their strengths mm-hmm. where they're like uh, you're doing something that like you're fundamentally not that good at so how do we shift right. business like so I could doing that anymore I could never be an assistant because I'm very disorganized so like if I ever got an assistant role 
or something of the sort that has any organization skills, I would be, yeah, not happy and fired. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we could totally play that. Like what pisses you off? Cause I can probably think of something, but let's not, let's not, let's not. Okay. So, so why do you do what you do? And are there some questions they can think about with that? Is that what the second one is? Yep. So the why and the want definitely are connected. So maybe I'll just cover those two together. Yeah. Um, the starting a little bit more with the want, what I am, what I have found is that like, again, 100% myself included, you, there's so many reasons why we don't actually know what we truly want. And it's a question that we don't always like ask ourselves very explicitly or like ask each other. Um, and it, it can, that can be true for a variety of reasons. It can be like, you want what society wants you to want, or you want what your mom wants you to want, or like, um, you are taught not to want. So like, I think women in particular, you don't, you don't want, you just do for others, right? Like wanting things for yourself can sometimes feel selfish or whatever it is. So I think there's like a, not, a lot of narratives around want and desire that sort of condition us to like, um, think very surface level about what we want to get out of our lives and just mm-hmm. follow sort of the script that everyone else is following. Um, and so what I do for want is I actually, um, and this also gets to the why, because what you want in your life is fundamentally connected to what you, um, why you do your work and what you need to get out of it. Um, I mostly have people do a brainstorm. So it's like, take again a sentence stem i want blank so that blank and you just brainstorm so again forcing yourself like i set a timer and it's like get as many ideas out on the table as you possibly can we go through a process of sort of um grouping them together organizing them teasing them out a little bit more but it really is again forcing your unconscious mind to just like really get go deep into like what do I really want and the thing that's super important about that too is I'm like if you want a pizza write it down if you want world peace write it down if you want to make 100k in your business next year write it down so it's like really like getting it all out on the table and then sort of teasing out like okay now how do we sense make out of this to get down to like what is the core wow Sweet. Okay. I like it. Cause I'm kind of like the, all the rest of the pyramid, you know, I mean, I definitely talk a lot about mindset and we have something where I talk about how you can borrow the belief because sometimes I think it's hard to just like, you know, shift your belief and, and change that limiting belief. And then, you know, and then take the action because people get stuck. And so they don't take the action. I'm like, Oh, just borrow my belief and then take the action. But I don't do a lot of like the delving into like the, the wise, I, I guess I just make a lot of assumptions that like they're in the right place, you know, and, and maybe it's, which could be true, which could not be true. Right. I I think sometimes I come across people who, you know, they want all the flexibility and freedom of a business, but like, one of the core fundamentals that they need, which is stretching outside your comfort zone is like really difficult for them. And it's just hard for me to see like, Oh, well, it's going to be pretty hard for you to get there. If you're not willing to do things that are way outside your comfort zone, because that's kind of the definition of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I like, I like getting clear about that because I think most people don't know what they want. And I think most people, they don't really know the components of like who they really are in, in terms of like, it's hard to describe or really know it. Like I know it, but I don't really know it. And then I also just to reiterate what you said about like, 
is this really for me or is it because of, of the indoctrination of like, this is what my mom wanted. Like, you know, always wanted me to be a doctor, always wanted me to be successful or, you know, and I just, I thought it was what I wanted, but I guess I'm living my mom's life or the wanted life that she, she had for me versus a life that I have. So, um, cool. So you talk about some other things. What do you say? Something about boss, boss lady or something. Is that your thing? Yeah. A lot so- of like, people talk about boss, like be your boss or the boss thing. Like I never really used that term. And maybe it's because I, I never was in corporate. I actually had only one other job myself, really, that it was a nonprofit. So we come, come from that, which because probably both driven by the contribution. But I never really got into that language much because I, I never had a boss. My The only boss I had even in my nonprofit was like a good friend of mine who's super cool and never felt like, you know, she was telling me what to do and I got to be my own boss. So where, where does that come from and what does that mean? And and what's your, what's your take on the whole boss situation? <laughs> I mean, for me, um, I mean, that's super interesting take because when I'm, it's a mindset thing for sure. So I think one of the things, I mean, similar to what you're saying, one of the things I recognize sometimes when I'm coaching people or working with people is I'm like, you're still, you've started your own business. You've gone out to do this thing and you're still thinking like an employee. Um, So you still have all these like preconceived notions about like what it's like to operate in the world that are based on an employee mindset. So when you work for other people, um, there's a variety of them. So like they take care of you, they pay your paycheck. They're the ones depending on your job. Like all of these are, you know, subjective statements. Um, they give you your benefits. Um, if the company gets sued, you're not the one that deals with it. The, you know, the legal counsel for the business is the mm-hmm. one that deals with it. Um, and so I think it is a mindset shift that you have to make when you start working for yourself, where like you are the boss. Um, and it's it encompasses all types of things from like how you think about your money, how you think about pricing yourself, how you think about positioning yourself with your clients to um, how you think about developing yourself. So it's no longer like someone is professionally developing you and you have like an annual review and like you set these goals and someone else holds you accountable to them. Like you're 100% accountable to like, if something, if you feel like something is off, then like you need to go out and figure out how to fix it. You need, you need to be the one to take the class or get the coach or do whatever it is. Um, And I think it's one of the things that I think people get um, tripped up on when they start working for themselves um, that you're still fundamentally thinking like an employee because we're Mm -hmm. all trained to think like employees, right? Like no one, even if you have an MBA, no one's teaching you how to be an entrepreneur. Um, So it really is, I think, to your point about mindset, it's one of those like key mindset shifts that um, I see happen, need to happen over and over and over again when you um, become an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. I think it is really similar. So I always like take out this rubber band. Those of you who aren't watching, imagine a rubber band. You've seen one before, but, and I'm like, okay, everything you want lies outside your comfort zone. Otherwise you'd already have it. So what do you need to do is stretch. And what I find is like, if you take this rubber band and you take like a little bit of it is like some people, they have like a super, super tiny comfort zone. And then they're stepping into the world of business. And it's like, oh crap. Like they're, like you're saying, I, I never say it this way, but like, oh, they're thinking like an employee, which means they're just in this comfort zone. They really haven't taken a lot of risk. And then a lot of times, especially in the financial industry, they're fed this 
I don't know, indoctrination or whatever it is, but like, oh, you can make a hundred thousand dollars in your first year. Like, it's so common that like that we come, you know, they come into the industry and they're told, oh, all you have to do is this, 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 and this, and you'll make a hundred thousand dollars this year. And you're like, wow, that sounds pretty awesome. Like, all I have to do is that I'll do that, you know, except that when you do that, especially if you're not stretching outside your comfort zone, it doesn't actually work <laughs> and it doesn't work that well. And you don't make a hundred grand and then you're like completely deflated and like all the, all the challenges, like, I think it just makes your comfort zone bigger and bigger, but I I've noticed, you know, some of the people who come you know, who've been really successful, like in my programs and I'll look her up because I know she was on the podcast too, but I had Suzanne Powell used to be Bayes, but now Powell, um, she, she like had such a big comfort zone. Like, so this rubber band is your comfort zone and everything is outside of it. Right. So you got to stretch in case I didn't explain that well. Um, but she had like a really big comfort zone. Like I told her, do this, do that, whatever. And she's like, Oh, I'll do anything. Like she talked to anyone, do whatever, like she get huge results. Um, and people were like, Oh my gosh, I wish like, I was like Suzanne because like, she's willing to do whatever it takes. And like, I'm like, well, if you, if you know anything about Suzanne, like she grew up in a trailer park and she had no money and her mom, like it was on food stamps at times. And like, she, like, I remember, I think something happened to their trailer park where like it, it, they caught on fire. Like, and she was like 13 years old and trying to like make enough money to help her mom, like pay the bills and like all the stuff. And it's like, well, that's why she has a big comfort zone. Like she went through hell and back. And like, every time you have a challenge, it's actually a gift for you to be able to grow this comfort zone and stretch and stretch and stretch. Because if you don't do it yourself, then the universe or whatever is going to give it to you to make it happen. And so, especially if you want those things and you're at least compelled to move in that direction. So, um, but I think like that's, it's it's like, oh, I wish I had that, except I don't want all those circumstances and situations, but that's exactly what's happening. You know, a lot of uh, advisors who come to me, they're like, well, I'm not making this money and now I'm in debt and I feel like a uh, an imposter and a fraud because I'm a financial advisor. And it's like, like, I was the same. I get it. You know, it's like, but everything you want lies outside your comfort zone. So you got to keep stretching. And some some people just aren't willing to do it or like, it's just a little slower, but that's like, welcome to the life of entrepreneurship, right? <laughs> Where you really got to stretch. So um, what have you noticed? I mean, I know you're working with a lot of different solopreneurs, but what do you notice like is their biggest challenge, like going from, you know, where there's kind of that pop, right? Cause I'm sure you've worked a lot of, a lot of people where it's like, okay, they're, they're stuck. They're stuck. They're stuck. You help them. They're still stuck. You help them. They're still stuck. And then boom, there's this pop, they break through. Like, what is it that, that you've noticed keeps them stuck? And what is it that really helps them break through? I mean, you've already given us a lot, but what else is, if there's another thing that comes to mind? Sure. Um, yeah, there definitely is. It's knowing exactly who you serve and the problem that you solve for them. Like, it, I think there's so many people that can't are again, like I've been through this journey in my own business. It also continues. I continue to iterate on it all the time. But being when you are when you are super clear on who you serve and the problem you solve for them, you the like internally and externally, the confidence level is completely different. Like you value your worth differently. You're approaching your clients differently. You're speaking to them differently. Um, it's it completely changes the game. But that's a journey of exploration, right? Like especially with a lot of some the solo printers that I work with. I think we get into a place where it's like, okay, we're like within this thing I do, I just do it for whoever needs it. And I don't really like, I, it's like transactional. It's like time for money. I'm not really talking to them about like, you have this problem. I know how to solve it. This is how we're going to get there together. 
Um, and when they're able to start talking to their clients that way, instead of just like, here are the five things I offer and this is what you pay them, pay me for them. It completely changes the game. Yeah. And a lot of people are afraid to do that, right? Because it's like, oh, I can help everybody. Like, I don't know who it is and why do I have to choose because I can help everybody. And it's like the absolute opposite effect. Um, and I'm obsessed with that as well, because I have this thing called like the ideal clone. So it's like, if I can just help one person, but help them 10 times and still exceed my revenue, then like, I got to get obsessed with that. And actually Natalie Jill talked a lot about that. Like you got to know who you serve and the problem you solved. We had her on the podcast episode 102. I'm getting you like on this, like this spiral of like soaking all this up. But we talked about um, with Natalie Jill market to the clients you want. And then also if you guys want to check out that Suzanne Powell episode, it was episode five. That was the beginning way back in uh, February, 2021. So um, you're given all this stuff that's reminding me of some good episodes they might've missed, especially the ones from way back when. Um, so tell us, let's do like one more, one more area of focus. Um, you talked about, you told me before we started recording, just like you said, goal setting and goal achieving. So give me your take on that. And, uh, and, and yeah, we'll go from there. Great. Um, so I believe in never setting long-term goals. Um, I think that the, what's long-term to you? I advise people never to set goals more than six months in advance. Whoa, that is, I like that you have a stance on that. And is a goals different than a vision? Like, can you have a vision for? Totally. You have okay, to have okay. a vision. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, so yes. the vision yes. could be long-term, but the goals are short-term. Right. Which goes okay, back I, to I like the that. who, the why, and the want, right? Like those three things have to be locked in, even though those also change. So like, let's just keep in mind that like who you are today is not who you're going to be tomorrow. Right. Um, but yeah, so I will have people set what I refer to as like milestones, like it's more softer type of targets a little bit, maybe up to a year in advance. Um, but I, but I've realized like, it, a, this is like keep like project management strategy is like, you're really just like doing work in short-term sprints. So you're setting a target about like three months out. Um, you're planning that quarter, you're revisiting it as you go. And um, then when you get close to the end of that quarter, you're thinking about the next quarter and thinking about the next quarter and thinking about the next quarter. Because um, we change, the market changes, the world changes. Like every, I think, you know, 2020, 2021 taught us this very clearly, even though that's been, that's always been true, is that thing, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, some of the best things in my life are things that I never saw coming. And if I had set like very concrete goals where I just had blinders on, it was like only super focused on this one thing. I would have missed some of the best opportunities in my life. Um, Give me one so, example. I'm so curious. I mean, like working for myself. Okay. Like I've never, if you had asked me a decade ago, if I would be working for myself, I would say absolutely not. Like absolutely not. And it was me just like testing the waters and like feeling things out and just like following the threads that that has led me to where I am today. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I would say short, I call them short cycle goals. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to have a vision. you got to understand those like three key pillars in the beginning. And then you need to have a flexible strategy for setting targets and constantly revisiting them as you um, move toward them. Yeah. I feel like I, I typically do that 
because I'm constantly reacting, <laughs> you know, it's like, like how do, and I've had this, you know, conversation even with my CEO, like, how do we figure out what we want? Like in a year from now when we don't even know what's going to happen. But I, I do think there's like a fine line between vision and goals. Also, it's like, because we're like, do, is it a vision for our revenue this year? Or is that a goal? You know what I mean? Is like, like what is, and I know vi- vision would be more like, what does it look like? What is it, you know, what does it feel like? How are you, you know, how are, how are you, I don't know. What does that, how does that affect your lifestyle? All those things. But I, I do feel like we tend to have trouble like planning too far ahead because like, I don't have, have a year marketing calendar because I'm like, well, we got to see if we're going to try this new thing. Like, is it going to work? And then based on with, wh- whether it works or not, then are we going to keep doing it? Are we going to throw in a towel? Or are we going to change our approach or whatever? So I definitely work like that, but sometimes I'm uh, even a little too behind. I've been working on not being so reactive. And so I can be a little bit like, you know, proactive, but this is super awesome. I love it. This is fun. Um, okay. Last question. And then you tell them where to find you. Um, how many tattoos do you have and which one is most significant and tell me why? Oh, great question. Um, okay. Sorry. I got to count. You don't know. It's I mean, kind of like if I asked you, it's like, if I asked you how many guys have you slept with? Like, you're like, let me count. Well, you should just know that. <laughs> um, one, two, I think I have like nine. But like my biggest one, the sleeve has was like multiple tattoos. That like right. I that's I can understand one. that one. So that's, that's sort of one. why the count. So I think there's like nine, maybe 10. OK. And which um, one is most significant and why? Um, so I would say the sleeve is the most significant. Um, this is um, Kali. She is the um, Vedic goddess of most people would classify her as the Vedic goddess of death, but I think of her more as the goddess of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's definitely the most significant. Okay. And you live the, live the life the way you, just like your tattoos, that it's all about freedom, having what you want, creating the business that you want, life that you want. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Where do they find you? This is great. Um, you can find everything about me on my website, which is fruitioninitiatives.com. I remember when I didn't know the word fruition. Like I remember when my mom had to explain what does fruition mean? And I felt very stupid. I have other, other scenarios when I felt stupid. I did not knowing words, but I do remember fruition. My mom was like fruition, you know? Um, see, I can't still describe it, but I do know what it is. Um, so fruition, what I got distracted by my own amazing um, fruition initiatives. Fruitioninitiatives.com. Okay, check it out. And we will see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>